Hi guys, thank you for tuning in today to Level Up with me, Mindy Pearson. We have a very special guest, uh, either to your left or to your right, depending on how you have your uh, YouTube set up and your Zoom. But um, this is Mr. Rick Pearson. He is my partner in crime. He has brought me into the real estate world. He is also an amazing, loving, caring husband and stepdad. And um, he's pretty much like the yin to my yang. Um, it's kind of like, you know, the Rick to the Lindy. You get, you get the full team here today. So um, the tenant advocates, that is gonna be our topic today. And I am going to be doing a little role playing with this guy and uh, Rick Pearson. Without further ado, welcome to the show today. I am so honored to be part of the Level Up with Lindy Pearson. <laughs> I've heard so much about it in the last few weeks, and uh, thanks for having me as your guest. Happy Friday. Yes, happy Friday. So a lot of people ask us, what is something that we can differentiate ourselves as? People ask us, you know, what's a big deal? I can renew this stuff on my own. So tenant advocacy is really big, especially right now during a time where a lot of people talk about subleasing and shaving space and what employees are coming back to the workspace. So, you know, something for us, we always think beyond space. That's pretty much Cress's tagline. Can you elaborate on that? I want to know, you know, how, how can we ask people, how can we tell people, how can we show people how much value we can add to them in negotiating right now with their leases? So uh, there's several things that I think I need to answer there. Um, first of all, I think to, to understand what a tenant advocate is, we need to understand a little more about how the commercial real estate world works, and most people don't understand that. Um, commercial real estate brokers are paid, we are paid, based on the value of a transaction. And as such, the, the more the value or consideration that goes to the landlord, the higher the commissions are in the commercial real estate world. And that creates a system whereby brokers who are representing one side of the transaction, and that is the tenant, sort of are disincentivized by saving those tenants money. Right. So, so, so the industry is just built differently than it should be, but we created a company that at least we've taken representing landlords out of the equation. We don't represent any landlords. Therefore, we feel that because our compensation is 100% generated by how valuable we are to our clients and how much our clients want to use us over and over, that we've created a company that only represents the occupiers. Therefore, we, we feel we do a, a, a better job in looking out for their interests. Okay, so that was kind of one of your questions. Um, the, the next question had to do with um, um, looking at space through the tenant's eyes. I, you said something like that, right? Um, by, by only representing tenants and for, by doing it day in and day out, we learn more about what that CFO or that CEO is thinking about. And most of the time what we've found is he's not thinking about how much space he needs necessarily. At some point he starts thinking about that, but he's thinking about how do I, how do I, uh, how do I grow my business? 
How do I keep my employees happy? How do I keep employees from leaving and going to another company? All of that has less to do with real estate than it has to do with his business. So by doing it day in and day out with occupiers, we are better equipped to help the business person translate his business needs into his real estate needs. I think I answered two out of your three questions. Yeah, no, 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 I like that. Can you repeat the last thing that you just said? It, it translates, say it again. So, so we are experts at helping a business owner translate their business needs into a real estate need. Because a lot of brokers just go in and ask a business owner, what do you need for real estate? And the truth is that business owner needs help figuring that out by experts like us. So being that we are experts um, and you have many, many years uh, under your belt in this world, um, how, how did you take all this in? Like, how did, how did you get to be on this road? You know, you have over 30 years experience. You've pretty much been with the same group of boys. Uh, I don't know. What did you say? 89 is when you first started, you know, moving on to doing, you know, opening up Cressa, the, the LA office to open up this satellite office that we're in right now. The funny thing is, I don't think I ever got a real estate license thinking I was going to be this sort of a specialist in the tenant rep business. Right. Um, I got my real estate license in 1989, and that was a really bad recession the years following that. So the real estate market was not good. The landlords, there was a lot of pressure by landlords to lease up buildings. There wasn't a lot of demand. So out of because we couldn't go out and get many listings and those listings weren't moving, um, my partner and I just started representing tenants. And real quickly thereafter, we realized that this representing tenants was a completely different business than marketing a piece of property for somebody. Marketing a piece of property is about exposing the property to the world, trying to get the highest price for the landlord. We were now trying to get the best price for the tenant, which kind of meant we were, we were trying to get, give the landlords the least amount of money. And so we realized it was a totally different business, so we started running with that and building other service lines on top of that where we could add value. And we had a lot of success. Shortly thereafter, we hooked up with a, another group of guys who were doing this same thing. Um, back in the in the mid 90s on the west side and so we met these guys they were trying to build not only local tenant business but they were trying to build it on a national level so my partner and I hooked up with them and that was you know 20 20 years ago 25 years ago and now Cressa has 55 offices around the country and it's all built around tenant occupier services yeah, around the country and internationally as well. Correct. We are a global company. We are the largest tenant-focused commercial real estate company in the world. That's cool. Um, you mentioned that sometimes people think that they don't necessarily need a tenant advocate. They don't need someone to represent them because it's just on a simple, a simple renewal or something that the business owner thinks that they can do on their own. 
Um, to me, that is a huge mistake. I've seen it in just um, the five or six years that I've been on this road as well. But what's what's the one biggest thing, or maybe there's several things that people don't understand what we do? What kind of value do we do? You know, what's the one thing that that we could give value to a possible client or to someone in you know, in the pandemic right now that could really use our services? What's the one thing that, that people just don't understand? Well, so, so I've, again, maybe two different questions there. The biggest fallacy from the business owner's standpoint is that if I negotiate my lease on my own directly with the landlord, I'm saving a commission. Therefore, he's going to give me a better rental rate. Landlords are amazing at being able to communicate the fact to their tenants that, oh, if you come to me direct, I'm going to give you a great deal. We'll save the commission. The reality is that the minute a business owner calls his landlord and says, I want to renew, he just lost all of his leverage. He has no leverage at all. So the landlord, you know, whether the landlord gives him a better deal or not, He's not giving him as good a deal as if that landlord felt that that tenant might move. If the landlord feels just an inkling that that tenant might move or that, that he might lose that revenue stream, all of a sudden the landlord has a different attitude. So the reality is, and again, it's just a lack of knowledge of how our industry works, the reality is Everybody who signs a lease and is paying rent should have some tenant advocate at least give them an opinion on how they're going about it, what they're agreeing to, and how they're communicating with their landlord. Because part of creating leverage is in the communication you give to the landlord. There's a lot of brokers in our position who just come in and say, I want a better rate, I want a better rate, or I'm going to move this tenant. Well, that doesn't work for all landlords. You have to be very careful because you don't want to get your tenants kicked out of a building if they want to stay. So again, it's just a lack of understanding of the industry that, that allows us to get a better transaction than a client would get on his own. And that's the biggest misunderstanding about what we do. I like it. I like it. Um, so um, in terms of success, What's your definition of success? I know a lot of other people's uh, definition could be, you know, their health, their family, their love life, uh, how much money they have in the bank. Um, but I feel like us as tenant advocates, I feel like over the years watching you and seeing how many things that you do for a nonprofit, a for-profit, how you know, whatever's going on. What what is your level of success? So I think. You and I share this, which is one of the reasons we hit it off so well and uh, continue to. Um, and this is, this is a question now where Rick Pearson is answering, not, not Rick Pearson from Cressa, because most people in my shoes, most real estate people in general are really, they feel like making the most money is the definition of success. Who makes the most money? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the problem is you have to give up a lot to make that kind of money. You have to work many hours. You have to have a lot of stress. Um, I've never been one who wanted that in my life. I've already far exceeded 
the, the money that I ever thought I would make. Uh, it's a lucrative field. And for me, it's, it's having the, the, the money to do what you want to do, but also enjoying your life because, you know, you know, as much as I know, life goes by fast and kids grow up fast. And before you know it, you're, yeah. you're talking about, do I have enough to retire and, and et cetera. And I know that I've had a great life and not just a great career. I'm fortunate. I'm one of the fortunate few who can say I've had both. Um, but a lot of people, I think, just spend their whole time chasing the money and don't sit and look at the life and enjoy that part of it. So that's, that, that's Rick Pearson's answer. So when's our next vacation? <laughs> uh, wherever you want to go, honey. Isn't that the right answer? Uh, yes, that is the right answer for a happy life. Um, yes, absolutely. So how, how can we help these, these business owners or the people who are listening to our podcast? What are, what are some of the things that we can do that's relevant during this time now? You know, like everyone's, everyone's talking about their office space and, in the, and their employees. And there's so many things on a daily basis coming out between the news, the CDC, this is happening. You know, what, how, how can we go about helping them? So clearly COVID has changed uh, the real estate landscape. We don't sort of know the extent of that yet. Um, our clients, business owners, people that have leases that they're paying rent on and they're not using the space are frustrated right now. So um, part, of, part of what we're, what we're what we, what our job with our clients is to help them not be so frustrated let them know that they're not alone and guide them and coach them through the, the, the decisions they're going to make in the future. Maybe not necessarily today. Right. If a business owner is fortunate enough to have a lease coming up around now and they're certain they're not going to need their space or maybe they have five offices and they're certain they're not going to need all five of those offices. Well, now's the time to downsize as the lease expires, get out of one or two of those offices um, because you have a lot of people working from home and that's probably going to stay for a little while. Right. But if a business owner has a long-term lease, um, there's not much to do to reduce the obligation and rent that they have right now today. Um, so that business owner you know, hopefully can continue to generate revenue so they can pay that rent. But what that business owner needs to do is really start thinking about the timeline of when they need to make a decision and they need to really think a lot about um, patience. I think um, a month, a month into COVID everybody was saying, I'm never going to need my space. Every one of my employees is perfectly happy working from home. Now Not five months into it. Yeah. Now five months, you know this cause you talk to a lot of our clients. Um, people are frustrated working at home. Uh, yeah, distractions, internet, everything. Yeah, so I think um, the next, and I think that's going to be something that for the next six months to 12 months, every month the business owner is going to learn and feel a little differently about their long-term needs. And it's, it's, it's our job to, to help them have patience help them talk about it, learn from their employees. I think we put a questionnaire out. We put an employee questionnaire out. We shared it with some of our clients. 
that where they could ask their employees how they feel about working from home. What are the working from home challenges? What yeah. will happen? What will happen when there's a when there's a a cure for this disease? Does everyone want to come back to work, or do only some people want to come back to work? Um, so I think it's gathering a lot of information. Don't make rash decisions, and sort of be patient with yourself and your staff. Okay, so we're going to try a little something different. Um, I figured that we could do some role playing today. You know, like not necessarily husband and wife role playing like we normally do. <laughs> so I'm going to put on these cool Cresso shades and I'm going to pretend like I am secret shopping you. I am now the business owner and um, I'm going to ask you some questions. So let me know. Um, do you need your shades too? Sure. Yeah, we're role playing. We're supposed to be like, okay, there you go. Okay. So, um, here we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about some questions and me as a business owner, I want to know, does any of the COVID restrictions allow me to terminate my lease? Go. Probably not. Unfortunately, I wish I had better news, but uh, leases don't have uh, the ability. Uh, there isn't really anything in the lease that gives the tenant the ability not to pay for their space because of COVID. And that is pretty much for everyone or that's just for right now. Like you haven't been able to see anything for anyone to terminate a lease. Not as a result of COVID. If your lease is coming up already okay. and it's going to terminate, then you can move out and not pay rent. But okay. the lease doesn't give you the ability to terminate the lease because of acts of God or anything like that in general. Okay. Question number two, if I'm not able to access my building, do I still need to pay rent? Yeah, unfortunately you do as well. We're not, we're not doing too well. <laughs> leases are pretty specific to protect landlords. Remember, leases are written, written by landlords. So they're pretty uh, specific that the landlord, uh, if something happens and the landlord can has to shut down the building because of uh, – government regulations or acts of God or war or anything like that, the tenant is supposed to carry business interruption insurance that would then allow the landlord to still get paid. So the problem then becomes the insurance companies usually exclude stuff like pandemic right. and from those insurance policies. So early on, we dealt with that quite a bit with the insurance industry in the sense of could the tenant look to their business interruption insurance to cover their downtime. And I think the, the, what we really found out what the insurance company informed us is that uh, there are exclusions to policies in most cases that cover things like pandemics and acts of God. So most likely you can't get relief from your insurance either. Unfortunately. Okay. Number three, how do I get out of or terminate my lease if I don't need it any longer? Well, get out of is probably, uh, I probably answered that. You can't just get out of it. Um, right. Although people keep asking. Um, we can look to sublease your space. Most tenants have the right to sublease their space altogether, all or part of their space. We work with several clients who have decided to sublease 
half of their space because they think they will end up needing less anyways. So we've put in half the space on the market for sublease. So you can sublease, you can try to negotiate a buyout with the landlord, but, okay. but right, now, right now the landlords will want, you know, 90 cents on the dollar to terminate. So I think subleasing is, is the best approach. Um, if you really don't think you're going to need your space and you want to try to recover as much of what you owe as possible. And for subleasing, I forget, sorry. Um, in terms of like recoup costs, is it is it typically like maybe 50% of what you're paying on your lease or is it different across the board? There's a lot of factors. Um, the, the shorter lease term you have, um, the more you're going to have to discount it to get somebody to take it. Okay, makes sense. As we, as we can expect, there's a ton of sublease space that has hit the market in the past several months. And the sublease space that is moving, in other words, the tenants who are successful at getting someone to take over their obligation, are literally putting it out to the market at 50% okay. of what they're paying. So that translates to you could have, if you're if you're 100% of your obligation, you could end up only recovering 20, 30, 40% of that um, okay. if you put it out aggressively. Okay. And if I'm if I'm stuck in a lease for several more years, it's number four, by the way. Uh, what can I do? I got I got several several years of expenses. I don't know what employees are coming back, and I'm up Schitt's Creek. <laughs> well, um, I keep your revenue going. Do as best as you can to keep your revenue stream going, um, and potentially sublease your space. Put that on the market. If you have a longer term left, sometimes you can do better on the sublease market. If you have lease where you're paying under market, um, let's say you negotiated a lease at a time when you got a great deal and the market has has uh, gone up quite a bit as we've seen the last three or four years. Right. You could be under market, so you could already be able to offer your space at a 30% discount to the market and you would break even. So you would get 100% covery with a with a 30% discount. So maybe okay. you don't lose as much with a longer term lease if you're under market. If you're at market or if you're over market and you have a long term lease, you you just need to you know start planning for what you're going to do next. Okay. Um, maybe at some point maybe a year or two before your lease is up we could start looking into what's called a blend and extend where you could give the landlord back some space in advance of your lease expiration date, but you would then commit to the landlord for another five or six or seven years. Right. We recommend doing that right away in 2020, but maybe by 2021 we will see the better effect of how the real estate market is and you will know more about your long-term needs. At that point, maybe a blend and extend strategy would be in order. Okay. And what about the opposite side? So question number five. If my lease expires soon, what should I do? Um, well, if I think, I think if you don't know 100% certainty what your needs are going to be long term, I think it's premature to give up your space if your lease expires in the next, let's say six months. 
you might want to buy yourself some more time. Um, we've been doing a lot of short-term extensions for our clients because A, they're not going to know what their needs are until their employees get back to work. Um, and that's going to be probably 2021 at this point in time. So we might not know what our needs are for a year and a half from now. So maybe even a two-year extension is a smart thing to do. I wouldn't lock in any long-term leases right now because we think the real estate market's going to drop uh, in the future. And in some sub-markets, it's already dropped considerably. So I think, I think looking at this more one to two year outlook is the proper strategy right now. Great. That was fun. Mm -hmm. You look so different without your glasses on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's, there's a burning question that a lot of people are asking um, that I know we don't necessarily know what the answer is, um, but by gathering information and over, you know, the last six months and the continuous, I don't even know how many months are left this year, but for the rest of 2020, what does the office space look like in the future? What do the rental rates look like? Those are probably two different questions. The office space for, in other words, a business's office space may look different in the future in the sense of reconfiguration. Um, and, and it may end up going back to fairly close to what it is today. Some tenants aren't going to want to put people as close to each other, and some employees aren't going to want to be as close to another uh, colleague working-wise. So that we might have to spread people out a little bit. Um, we might end up going back to more private offices where people can shut a door and feel safer. Um, and then again, it, once there's a, a vaccine for this in a year or so, people might just not even think about it much anymore. So. Right. We might just be back to what's the most efficient space for that business. Um, as far as the real estate market, that's a whole different question because there's no doubt about it that the real estate, that the office segment of the real estate market is going to drop. Certainly, 75% of the companies out there are going to take less space and need mm -hmm. space when those leases are up. And that's going to trickle down to the landlords over the next one to three years. So the real estate market should have more supply, less demand, and therefore economics tell us the rate should drop. How significantly, we don't know yet. Um, now that's the office market. The industrial market in, in, most country, in most of our country, especially in Los Angeles, is gonna stay pretty strong. Um, industrial tenants aren't able to upsize and downsize as quickly because they have so much invested in the machinery. Mm -hmm. um, and the industrial market is strong to begin with. Um, there's going to be a trend towards more manufacturing in the United States, less manufacturing abroad. Yep. There's going to be a trend towards more uh, um, online sales, which translates to big box distribution. All of that will help the industrial market uh, remain, if not stronger, at least flat. So we don't see a big dip. I don't think in the industrial real estate. So with, with people taking a little less office space right now, people not wanting as much office space as they have, this is obviously due to the pandemic and from the largest working from home experiment ever. 
Um, do employees really want to come back to the office? I mean, I know that we mentioned earlier people are homeschool or not homeschooling, online school and Zooming. For us, at least at home, we got four four people on Zoom, four people on their own laptops, four people on homework calls, you know, webinars. How do you see people coming back? Right now, there's probably a couple articles that I've read, some LinkedIn articles, some things by other organizations that some people really do want to come back to work. They want to be able to work, but they what they're craving is more the flexibility of having that open schedule. How do you feel about that, or what have you read or heard? I think you just answered your own question. Um, some people are going to be tired of working from home because there's distractions. They're not as mm -hmm. efficient. Um, their, their kids are there. Um, some people just like having that second community. They like having their family life, but they like having a work life. Definitely. They like the people at work, and they like the camaraderie. Um, so, so some people are certainly going to want to come back the minute they can in a safe manner. Um, then there are, uh, there's a whole other generation of people who, are, who have grown up sitting and looking at a laptop screen like we're doing right now. <laughs> they're, they're perfectly comfortable and they can be very efficient sitting on a couch. Look at our kids. Our kids are doing homework on their beds. Um, you know, I'd fall asleep. So... There's, there's different generations are going to deal with this differently. Right. Um, and in the long run, how is it going to affect each business? It's going to depend on how many people they have in each of these categories. Some people are going to take this opportunity to avoid driving an hour to work today or to live in a community where they can buy a home and have a backyard. So, so this, this little test run here certainly is showing the business owner that I don't have to demand that all my employees drive to my office every day. I think that's great for human beings in general. And some human beings are going to take advantage of that, and they're going to have a better life in Boise, Idaho, or in the Midwest, or closer to where their parents live, yet they can still have this high-paying tech job in Santa Monica. If you yeah, I think, I think earlier in the conversation when I asked you about the – success for you and how you define success, I think that has a lot to do with all the employees of having this newfound flexibility, exactly what you just said, to be able to get everything done on their time, the way they like to do it, um, really makes for a successful, happy employee. And when you have that, you, you're bringing in revenue because people are motivated. And I think um, it's a really good thing for business owners to start asking their employees these questions. That's why we put that survey together and yeah. we're happy to share it yeah. with anybody who would like to see it. It's a series of questions where you're asking your employees how they feel about driving, not driving, working at home, not working at home. When they come back, how they're gonna feel about their workplace. It's yeah. really good information that business owners should start gathering. Maybe they do the survey once a quarter for the next year before they make any long-term decisions. So that leads me to my last question for today. Uh, if you can provide any more insight, not that you haven't already, but uh, what mistakes do you see business owners making? What kind of advice can you give? What, you know, what are a, you know, a couple steps that people can take away from, from this in regards to being a tenant and a business owner with space? 
Um, boy, I feel like I feel like we've been talking about this that sort of for a good portion of this and some other questions. Um, be patient with your decisions. Uh, seek advice. Talk to people like us. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and try to make the best decision for your business in the short run, if you can. Try not to commit to things long-term unless you have to. And take this opportunity to learn so that when things get back to normal, you now have a better business. You have more engaged employees. Your employees feel like you care about them. Absolutely. And you have someone help you let's say take advantage of a lower real estate market and have lower rent costs for years to come. Again, it's all once you, once we come out of this and once you have enough information. Great. Well, thanks babe for taking time uh, today. I really appreciate it. You are an awesome person to work with. Um, it's a good thing that we are never in the same place. I shouldn't say never. We're not in the same place. We do different things, and we all together show up with a happy face. Successful life in terms of health and vitality. And for anyone out there who has any questions or for tenant rep or wants to be on Level Up, please don't hesitate to call us, email us. You have all our information down below. And if you need that employee survey, we can send that out to you. And looking forward to the next podcast, Level Up With Me. See you guys later. Thank you.